Fear the Fro fans, welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. We are back. It feels like I've been away forever. Maybe you haven't missed me at all. I've missed you. I'm grateful that all of you have, uh, well, allowed me the grace, as it were, to go and do my professional stuff, where I had to take care of some Super Bowl-related responsibilities, a lot of traveling, but I am back in the home studio, staring at this blank wall, just a day after what was a much Saturday evening, where the Cavaliers fell to the Philadelphia 76ers. I wanted to pod desperately, but I could not bring myself to come back here and on the heels of a loss, jump right back on the microphone. I instead turned my attentions towards creating a special open for all of you. I feel you've earned it. I feel the enemy of the pod has earned it. And I just want to, just to set this up for a moment, enemy of the pod, a new feature. Now, some of you may think of it as beating a dead horse further to death that's already dead. And that is kind of what it's becoming. So two points I want to make. First, at the conclusion of this episode, I absolve Tim Bontemps of the enemy of the pod title. I've expended all the creative energy I can think of towards cutting that man down. And you're about to hear some more. As far as I'm concerned, after this episode, I will move forward. My general kind of policy is that when it feels like I'm punching up, I'm just going to keep swinging. But Evan Mobley has distinctly turned this conversation into a punching down exercise. And a lot of that is because, one, I don't know if he'll ever address it. He skipped the Hoop Collective podcast this Monday when they did an extensive, very satisfying conversation, by the way. Highly recommend, if you haven't heard that podcast already, uh, where they talked about the Cavaliers' successes and uh, conveniently he did not participate in the pod. Yeah, well, that's convenient. I don't need him to walk back his statements to feel like he's taken a big, fat L. He has not improved on offense at all. Probably the least valuable player in the league. One thing that is worth mentioning is while he hasn't spoken auditorially about the subject, he did have a response on Twitter when somebody mentioned that they hope they start talking about the Cavs and Mobley on Monday. His response was, and I'm, this is a direct quote, Someone tweeted, wonder when the Hoop Collective will start talking about Mobley finding his three-point shot, and he tagged Tim. Tim responded. He tweeted, definitely some encouraging signs on the Mobley front. Then again, only been encouraging signs there for quite some time on just about every front. So, of course, no compliment could come without the criticism. This is what happens when you're on the front line of Evan Mobley criticism. You'll get pushed back. By reality, but you'll keep digging in. You'll keep fighting, trying not to lose the war. So take that for what it's worth. I want you to hear this exclusive to the podcast creation. There will be no YouTube video for this, in part because the subject matter is, um, how do you say? Unhinged? Yeah, that's it. Here's the thing, though. I'm not looking for smoke. I am only fake internet tough. You think the things that I say about Justin Rowan and how he needs to be imprisoned in a Mexican basement, do you think I mean any of that? No, of course not. Justin Rowan would murder me. I mean, sure, he has a fragile piece of shit Achilles that failed him, and I would kick him in the heel if it came to it. But the truth is, I don't mean any of the tough talk. It's all just make-believe, theatrics, this included. So please, enjoy this. But do not aggregate the portion about removing his penis and tag him. This is for you and I. It's a very special, exclusive club that will probably never get bigger because I'm a fucking weirdo. But all of you are too. And we share one thing in common. 
that I am extremely appreciative of. It's a love of Cleveland Cavalier basketball. Let's get this show going. Evan Mobley nails another three. He's a perfect three for three from behind the line. He has 24 tonight as Wembenyama at the other end gets fouled. Hey, Dan, how's life? Pretty good, Bob. How's the wife? Totally honest. A little bit annoyed when I go to bed late on a game night. Uh, Well, that's too bad. It's fine. I just need a little me time. A little bit of the fro on D time. A tiny bit of pot and a me time. Who is this psycho? Last year I had a breakdown. That's why I'm here, Bob. Let it out. The lights were too bright. They got ran out. Abject failure. Tear it all down. Started thinking maybe I should move out. Start a compound in the woods with a diva. Wait. Abandon my life. Start a cult. Hang on. Build an arsenal. Grow my beard out. Ruby Red. I've been plotting. What does that mean, man? Writing up a list. A list of what, man? Who said what that I did not like gave a plus minus to the value of life. One more guy says... Yeah, but the Knicks. Google search results. How to chop. Nope. Cavs need more praise, not words that hurt. They don't work. Gonna go berserk! Bob, you need to walk this back. Why? This poor job covering up your tracks. And should I happen to disappear? You kind of laid out a clear motive it's here. It's just imagery. Well, I'm not a lawyer, I still know a bit. The legal system discourages this. Deal with your anger like a full-grown adult. Can I get a restraining order? And shut down the cult. No! This Cavalier team, it inspires. The doubters must stop being liars. If they don't accept that this team is the best, they're time on this earth it expires whoa hold on see now that's what i'm saying you're loosely implying a slaying um, loosely it kind of seems like this whole song is encouraging vigilante justice uh yeah yes let's run through some very ways you could ruin all the cavalier to track today you could show up at the wedding of their firstborn son i object to this marriage mobley's the one wait till the fly to the all-star game tip tsa y'all tim is mewling cocaine Lee waiting for them in the place that they're going slice their achilles like they're just dead row break into the house with the rich and jar all the milk will spoil take a dump of the car go into the glass cut off all the sleeves make them go through life like pat mcafee master give me your orders do the bidding of your fro Shall I bring the dildo van around to the front of the compound? Absolutely, we ride a dog! Another Fear the Fro banger. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe is right, Cavalier fans. What a day! What a time to kick off the episode. Now, I I realize this is coming on the... I was trying to just cleanse your palate. You need to forget about yesterday. You need to instead focus on what has been a very positive week of Cavalier basketball. The reintegration of Darius Garland and Evan Mobley was something everybody was anxious about. I certainly was anxious about it. I wanted perhaps more than anything for Evan Mobley and Darius Garland to be reintegrated seamlessly so the whole negative side of the narrative of this Cavalier dominant stretch, which is, well, now you got to blow up the core because clearly they're better without him. I wanted that to be dismissed with prejudice. And I think we can all agree that Evan Mobley, more so than Darius Garland, the Darius Garland return has been about getting him back closer to the form, which we've expected. First night of the eight games since his return where he cracked 20 points and nine assists to zero turnovers. Not only was it the first zero turnover game, But that type of efficiency, that type of third quarter, Darius Garland was unbelievable in the third quarter against the Philadelphia 76ers. And his shot has not come back since he's returned. He is shooting about 28% from outside the arc, and especially on the corner threes, just one for seven since his return to the lineup. I know people were upset about the final miss. Sure, I would have loved it to go in, but totally forgivable in my view. Didn't even look like he got a clean handle. And one miss does not outweigh the fact that the beginning of the third quarter belonged to Darius Garland. He was responsible for that 10-0 run. He had a hand in every single point that scored. Ripped off the first five himself, and the next five came from Max, 
all on the hands of Darius Garland passes. It was, I mean, we were down by nine at that point. This game could have been over much earlier. He put us back into the lead. So hang in. I'd much rather have the guy who's slumping while we're winning than a guy who's slumping and they're losing. Just consider those Canadians that we trounced over the weekend. Scotty Barnes, he had a triple-double against us, right? That's great, except that you lost and you continue to lose 4-9 and nine since Siakam went to Indy and he's shooting 45-27 splits. That's worse than Garland. I guess what I'm saying is unhappiness is relative. You could be experiencing a personal slump during a team-wide peak in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio, or you could be sucking shit personally while your team is trash living in Canada. Or look at a relevant contender in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks. They lost fouling a three-point shooter. No time left on the clock. The Rockets knocked down free throws to win the game, a game which the Knicks had no place losing. And the call went against their star player, Jalen Brunson. There was a gigantic free throw disparity that didn't go in favor of the Knicks. And a man who is known for taking charges found himself getting trucked by Dylan Brooks en route to a loss in a game where they could have made up needed ground against our own Cavaliers. I'm a man about silver linings. Look at me. Bright side Bob. Unless you're of the belief that somehow Darius is going to continue to shoot sub 30% from three, there's only room for this to grow. This is the ultimate luxury situation to be able to absorb some bad Darius shooting nights because the rest of the team is thriving. Mitchell and Garland, if you're longing for the days of Garland being gone, well, they're nearly a plus nine in the 120 plus minutes that they've played since his return from injury. They're outperforming what they did last year in nearly 1,500 minutes. So, very positive signs. I think there's still room for growth in the pairing between Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. If you just look at the data, just sheer net rating of the individual players over this eight-game streak, the worst guy in the rotation for the Cavs is far away George Nyang. Despite winning seven of these past eight games, he is barely in the positive. If anyone has been derailed, it's George, because January George shot 44% from deep. February George, if he walked into a school and opened up fire... Everybody would live. He's just below 28%. He's right there alongside Garland. So George is out here doing his best to destroy the lineups of the guys who have to play alongside him. But meanwhile, the injury period starting lineup, they continue to take people's heads. We have five guys in the top nine of league-wide net rating over the course of these past eight games. Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, all of them are north of a plus 18.6. Dean Wade is second in the entire NBA during this eight-game stretch in net rating. And first, Dorian Finney-Smith has only played two of those eight games, so I'm disqualifying him. Dean Wade is the best in the league since Darius Garland's return. Your thoughts, audio mailbag participant Jeff in Alabama. Dean Wade's a shit, man. By the way, Jeff, sorry, I did not get to your audio mailbag before the trade deadline, and it was about that, so I don't want you to think I'm skipping you. I appreciate the submission. Just a shameless plug. Anyone who wants to submit a comment or a question, go to CavsPod.com, click the Talk to Bob button, boom, there it is. Now, since we're talking numbers, it's relevant to point out that two of the worst three Cavs in net rating since Darius has returned happen to be Evan and Darius. George, worst than Evan and Darius. But numbers are otherwise. I've felt great about how Evan Mobley has played. I think those will balance out over time, and especially since his minutes are being tethered 
to George Yang and Darius Garland for much of his time on the court, and they cannot buy a basket to save their lives right now. Now, Evan Mobley, prior to the injury, had made just two three-pointers this season. And since his return, he's shown a willingness to stretch the floor out. I know the front office made it a point to say that what they want from people is just to be the most aggressive versions of themselves. And Evan Mobley has taken that to heart. For a guy who had actually regressed in field goal attempts for the beginning portion of this season, he has ramped them up. And even on a minutes restriction this month, he's putting up as many shots as he was over the course of entire games. Mobley had five shots in his first shift of his 11 shots. If he did that over the course of game, he would look like Trey Young out there. And he finished the evening just stuffing the stat sheet. Four blocks and two steals. Now, I said as little as two weeks ago, I didn't even care if he developed range. I thought that that was an overstated argument. What a goddamn idiot. This podcast host is an idiot. He's the dumbest guy on the internet because he got that prediction dead wrong. Dead wrong. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him and his family. I guess technically it wasn't a prediction that he wouldn't shoot threes, but I, I was more concerned with him just tightening up his handle and getting the ball in motion and taking advantage of mismatches. And instead, what he's done is space the floor out and knock down shots when people disrespect him. It's still not the fastest release in the world, but we're not talking about a guy who we're asking to put up five and six a game, even if he is nothing but a stationary set shooter if guys can't slag off of him. Good God. Now, between that and what feels like Isaac Okoro finally starting to gain the respect of the referees when it comes to how they officiate his physical nature on defense. Those things both seem to be game changers for the Cavaliers on opposite sides of the ball. We would be remiss, though, if we did not discuss what has transpired with the other big man on the Cavaliers roster, Jared Allen, who found himself vaulted up to second overall in the Defensive Player of the Year odds. Now, even last year, I kind of felt like Allen found himself on the short end of the stick. And that's the problem of having a two-headed snake, is nobody knows who to attribute the blame and or credit to when the Cavaliers have a dominant team defense. And again, this year, they find themselves trailing just the Timberwolves and Defensive Player of the Year frontrunner Rudy Gobert. He is a strong favorite. But second on that list is Jared Allen, who has passed a lot of very notable defenders below him. Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren, as it should be, Jared Allen, second to Rudy Gobert. It is a long shot to run him down because even if the Cavaliers' team defense is to eclipse that of the Minnesota Timberwolves over the course of the rest of this season, they're going to do the whole divide and conquer with our big men. I think it bodes well for Allen that when the defense reached its apex form, it's when Mobley was out. But as it gets better since the return... It's going to be muted somewhat. If people look to this stretch and we continue to play dominant defense, even if our offense regresses a little bit, they're going to say, well, Moby's return has actually helped the defense, which of course it has. But analytically, that's what a lot of people turn to in these debates. So it is critical for anyone who wants to win Defensive Player of the Year to have their team finish amongst the top five defensively and for them to have a massive impact. Now, it's it's similar somewhat to the Jaron Jackson Jr. debate in that Allen is not going to win on county numbers. He's not some prolific shot blocker by sheer volume. Rudy Gobert is sixth in the NBA. Jared Allen doesn't even crack the top 20, and you'll find the occasional guard or backup player 
who has uh, accumulated more block shots than Jared Allen. So the strength of his case is going to be almost entirely on the incredible Cleveland team defense and his impact as the focal point of that. Now, altering shots, you know, forcing guys to shoot below their percentages, all that stuff bodes super well for Allen. But here's the other good thing. What I like this year is that with this new CBA, the All-NBA teams are positionless. So if you're using the guys who are at top of the odds, Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembanyama, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, uh, there's a lot of centers in there. Derek White and OG Ananobi are the exceptions here. But I think it's a great sign that Jared Allen will not find himself getting boxed out of both a first and second team selection this year, barring some sort of just gigantic collapse. Now, on the other side of this discussion... Well, I I guess I shouldn't say other side. All NBA is supposed to consider a player's entire game, but we can acknowledge it's mostly an offensive reward. Donovan Mitchell is going to be in the conversation for first team All NBA, and a positionless team should benefit him. If we're ignoring positions, it should be a pretty straight correlation between the NBA MVP frontrunners and the all-NBA teams. Like, you should be able to just essentially take the top five or six candidates for MVP, and it should align pretty closely with all-NBA first team. Now, if we're to use basketball reference as a barometer, the NBA MVP award tracker, there are four guys who would be perceived as virtual locks for all-NBA first team. Jokic, Shea, Luka, Giannis. That's two backcourt, two frontcourt. In past years... That would mean a third front court member would be selected. And in this case, the logical choice would be Jason Tatum. Incredible numbers, and he's on a great team. There's no path the first team All-NBA for Donovan that isn't an extreme long shot. But you have to feel better about his chance of running down Jason Tatum, especially if the Cavs manage to narrow the gap between the Celtics and them than you do about him unseating Luka or Shea. Shea and Luka seem like absolute locks. Their numbers are obscene. Shea has an equally successful team, if not better, and considering their youth and relative inexperience, people are going to give more credit to Oklahoma City for doing it in the Western Conference. Now, Luka, his team may not end up what the Cavaliers are, but he's nearly averaging a 34-point triple-double. How the fuck do you keep that out of first-team All-NBA? So in past seasons, I would say that Donovan already would have been fucked. But with the positionless situation, he at least has a chance. I think it's kind of a three-man race at this point. My belief is it will have to be one of Tatum, Mitchell, and Leonard. Right now, I would say Tatum is the selection, but I think both Mitchell and Leonard, depending on how their teams do, have a chance to steal that fifth spot. And honestly, the other thing worth noting, if I'm being 100% objective here, it's that Donovan Mitchell has seven less games played than Jason Tatum and five less than Kawhi Leonard. Not a guy exactly known as a bastion of durability. So, Once you hit the 65-game mark, it may not matter, but those things will be brought up by detractors of the Donovan Mitchell hype train. One more thing we need to address. Now, some of you may falsely assume that because I am removing Tim Bontemps, I am done with him, beat it, whore, that doesn't mean that somebody has to assume that mantle. However, there have been submissions. And I wanted to say I appreciate all of you who direct me towards people disrespecting the Cavaliers to get my attention, to get my eyeballs on them. I have a friend on Twitter, Charlie, who told me last week, he said, Bob, check out the most recent Ball Don't Lie pod. There's some serious Cavs disrespect. So I immediately sought it out to find the offending clip from the February 7th edition on the Yahoo Sports NBA Ball Don't Lie feed. 
NBA senior reporter Vincent Goodwill was breaking down fatal flaws for East contenders. Now, a timestamp 35 minutes in entitled Fatal Flaws for Contenders in the East. There are four teams listed below that point. The Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the New York Knicks. Now, you may say to yourself, Bob, I'm sure they talked about the Cavs. Surely no one would include Philadelphia without Joel Embiid and exclude the second seed at the East at the time of that recording, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, you would be wrong because they did. Know this. The host of the show, Yahoo senior NBA reporter Vincent Goodwill, he did not select the list to discuss. That was done by the showrunner, the producer. Vincent even asked him, why aren't the Cavs included? And producer John had this to offer. I'm going to list the four teams that are considered the elite in the Eastern Conference. We're not going to include the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I think are nine and one in their last 10 or something, currently sitting number two in the East. They still have to kind of prove themselves. To who, producer John? To you? I, it's obvious. I disagree with this statement. I also think it's pretty wild that you would put the Sixers in a conversation about fatal flaw. Here, you know what the fatal flaw is? Joel Embiid's meniscus. It already happened. Shortest segment in the history of podcasts. Next! Now, I've never produced a successful podcast like producer John. I don't even produce my own that well. I have songs about chopping off Tim Bontemps' dick. But that being said... Even I would probably lean towards the team that's just finally now getting healthy while playing the hottest basketball in the NBA rather than the one that's crumbling in front of us. I don't know. Okay, so the other team, the Knicks. Can we just acknowledge this team has got more mileage out of a first-round victory than any team in NBA history? I mean, if the Cavs win in the first round and then we get waxed 4-2 in the second round, there will be people right back to wanting our coach fired. Meanwhile, the Knicks do it, and you would have thought that they're the Kansas City Chiefs. Their entire resume that separates them from us is defeating us, and everybody thinks we fucking stink and are phony contenders. I could wipe the floor with a first grader, but if I laid one of those pieces of shit out, people wouldn't all of a sudden say, hey, this guy's the number one contender to be the heavyweight champion of the world. But I guess if I did it at Madison Square Garden, it'd be a totally different story, wouldn't it? Trash. But honestly, this is just manufactured outrage. It's theatric. I'm not that mad because I've been beaten down by the same talking points for a year now. I won't believe it till I see it in the postseason. Two bigs don't work. We're going to hear them till the end of time. And if I turn to national podcasts and they give me off more than that, then I should be grateful. But there's a second reason why producer John cannot be the enemy of the pod. And I say this as a professional ally to John. I respect him. We are brethren. His disrespect of the Cavaliers, disgusting, but at least on a professional level. For him to rise to the place that he is, the station in life that he has achieved, clearly he is good at what he does. But consider this, maybe John knew exactly what he was doing. Maybe he knew it was a dog shit list. Maybe, passive-aggressively, he was sabotaging Vincent Goodwill. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes with them? Maybe... Producer John has an axe to grind with Vincent Goodwill. And he said, here, Vincent, here's a terrible grenade of a list that I've pulled the pin out of. Please discuss with a gigantic audience without looking like an absolute fucking idiot. If that's what happened, then bravo, John. 
Bravo. I've been there. But one final point. Putting a producer into the enemy of the pod conversation is like voting a dog into the presidency of the United States. Now, that may seem like a better alternative than what we have there, but just as a fundamental belief, I don't think it should be allowed, okay? There's an allegiance, I feel, to producer John, even though he doesn't know me. I will keep waiting for a new enemy of the pod. And until that point, it's nothing but sunshines and rainbows right here on the Fear the Fro podcast. Evan Mobley nails another three. He's a perfect three for three from behind the line. He has 24 tonight as Wembenyama at the other end gets fouled. Hey, Dan, how's life? Pretty good, Bob. How's the wife? Totally honest. A little bit annoyed when I go to bed late on a game night. Uh, Well, that's too bad. It's fine. I just need a little me time. A little bit of the fro on D time. A tiny bit of pot and a me time. Who is this psycho? Last year, I had a breakdown. That's why I'm here, Bob. Let it out. The lights were too bright. They got ran out. Abject failure. Tear it all down. Started thinking maybe I should move out. Start a compound in the woods with a diva. Wait. Abandon my life. Start a cult. Hang on. Build an arsenal. Grow my beard out. Ruby Red. I've been plotting. What does that mean, man? Writing up a list. A list of what, man? Who said what that I did not like gave a plus minus to the value of life. One more guy says... Yeah, but the Knicks. Google search results. How to chop. Nope. Cavs need more praise, not words that hurt. They don't work. Gonna go berserk! Bob, you need to walk this back. Why? This poor job covering up your tracks. And should I happen to disappear? You kind of laid out a clear motive here. It's just imagery. While I'm not a lawyer, I still know a bit. The legal system discourages this. Deal with your anger like a full-grown adult. Can I get a restraining order? And shut down the cult. No! This Cavalier team, it inspires. The doubters must stop being liars. If they don't accept that this team is the best, they're time on this earth it expires whoa hold on see now that's what i'm saying you're loosely implying a slaying um loosely it kind of seems like this whole song is encouraging vigilante justice uh yeah yes let's run through some very ways you could ruin all the cavalier to track today you could show up at the wedding of their firstborn son i object to this marriage mobley's the one wait till the fly to the all-star game tip tsa y'all tim is muting cocaine be waiting for them in the place that they're going slice their achilles like they're just dead roadway break into the house with the rich jar all the milk will spoil take a dump of the car go into the glass cut off all the sleeves make them go through life like pat mcafee master give me your orders do the bidding of your fro Shall I bring the dildo van around to the front of the compound? Absolutely, we ride a dog! Another Fear the Fro banger. Like and subscribe. Yes, like and subscribe. CavsPod.com. Talk to Bob Feature. Get on it.